3: And register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com.
4: Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. This week, we're taking you back to Vulture Festival 2021 and our event with Jeff Goldblum. Look, he's Jeff Goldblum. You know him, you love him, you're probably hoping I'd do my impersonation of him, but sadly, my producer said I was not allowed to, and by producer, I mean me. I said I was not allowed to, because it is bad. Cary Brownstein, who became friendly with Jeff when he started making appearances on Portlandia, moderated the conversation. The event was called Jeff Goldblum's World because it is and because he was promoting the second season of his disney plus show the world according to jeff goldblum which returned earlier this year it is such a fun conversation like life jeff goldblum uh finds a way uh to be really interesting and cool so here is jeff goldblum
5: this is the greatest of all days you'll never forget it as long as you live
2: i know And this is really special that you're here. Me, yeah, why me? Because you're Jeff Goldblum. Let
5: me show you some. You're the nimble tread of the feet of Fred Astaire. You're an O'Neill drama. You're mom. whistler's mum. You're Camembert. I like that. We want all those sounds. Uh, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I like what you're doing. You're doing good. I like what you're doing. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Ooh, California. I'm coming home. I'm
5: coming home. Stephen. Are you rescuing me? Fold. You heard the rumor, right, about these these aboriginal dogs? No, no. Remind not me like. again. What's the rumor? Uh, they're cannibals. I've become free. I've been released and you can't stand it. You'll do anything to bring me down. Look at me. Does this look sick? Does this look like a sick man to you? <laughs> I've already spoken with Ms. Ryan, the prosecutor, and she agrees to an immediate dismissal. Ms. Ryan? Dismissed.
2: Why are you a cop?
5: Because I like it, and I'm good at it, and that kid is a killer. But the key witness who actually, ostensibly, saw the alleged events appears to have fled the jurisdiction. His whereabouts are currently unknown, but he's being sought and pursued by the relevant authorities. Who are you? I am the God of Thunder! Wow. Wow, I didn't hear any thunder, but out of your fingers, was that like sparkles? They're positioning themselves all over the world, using this one signal to synchronize their efforts in approximately six hours. The signal's gonna disappear and the countdown's gonna be over. And then what? Oops. Oops. What's that mean? What do you mean? Uh, no, I, I got it. I'm, uh, look, some jerk didn't put... I know I, what I... I, it, I, I mean, so when far. I say oops, what do you mean saying oops there? Well, you say? We try that one again, huh? Yes, yes. Yes, without the oops. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free. It expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but... Uh, well, there it is. There it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm I'm simply saying that life uh finds a way. Come on, come on, come on, come on, we gotta get out of here. Gotta get out of here. Now, now, right now. Let's go, 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 let's go. Hey. go faster. Let's uh, go faster. Go, 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 go. Wow, did you see that?
1: <laughs> well, he's very angry.
5: Hey, I didn't expect this. I hadn't even poked my nose out. Look at this. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming.
0: Jeff Goldblum,
5: the great Carrie Brownstein, come come on,
0: uh, even greater Jeff Goldblum.
5: No, you're much greater than I am. Uh, wow, look at this. So so here, this is who's here, and this is the what is the this is the what of the what of, of Hollywood Roosevelt. This is the
0: this is the what of the what.
5: Yeah, but it's a little bit. Is this part of Hollywood Roosevelt? Kind of. This is they use this ordinarily as some kind of, you know, a little space. How about this? And and, and what's happening th- there? Are do you live up there? You do so. You don't. You may. Some do. So how about that? You, you know. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I don't. Don't let me. Uh, you know. No, start I, with all this. But but but. Uh, and and look, who's here?
0: Yeah, and an empty seat. Oh, you're smiling. Oh, really?
5: Okay. That's. Uh, I believe uh, Guffman. Guffman is coming. We're expecting Guffman there. Uh, anyway, that's our show. Drive safely. Uh, there, there we go. Hey, nice groove. Okay, well, thanks for coming. Good, good.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming. J- Jeff and I were lamenting that neither of us know much about the history of the Roosevelt Hotel, right?
5: Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, do, does anybody here know about the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel? It seems like a very rich with uh, you know, emanations and historical uh, possibilities. Uh, don't you think so?
0: <laughs> yes, and, but I can't imagine anything worse than two people talking about something we don't know anything about.
5: Oh, no, I think it's fine. <laughs> I'd like to, I'd, 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 I'd want to hear you talk about anything that you're okay, well, known I, or not known.
0: I'm, gonna, I'm going to start with some questions. How about that? Okay. okay. Keep us on not, track. You not know, about like, the Hollywood uh, Roosevelt. So okay. as I was prepping for this, and uh, I found that an underlying and recurring theme in, in your life and work is this curiosity, and I was wondering about the provenance of that. And I was just curious if you could tell us a little bit about your childhood, the Gold Bloom household. Like, was it full of books and literature, and what, what was that like?
5: Hey, good question. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, as you may know. Well, you have some some Pittsburgh connection, real. You're from Pittsburgh. Uh, there we go. Hi, Pittsburgh. Um, and. Uh, Yes, my, my um, well, Pittsburgh is an interesting place of, even then and now in a, little, in a little different way, a place of, have you ever been there? I have. You have? What'd you go to Pittsburgh for?
0: Uh, to play music.
5: Oh really? Yeah. I'm where'd sorry. you Where'd you play? I, our band played there too. Where'd you play?
0: I do not recall. I'm so right, sorry. Right, right, right.
5: <laughs> I played at a place near our how, near my house in West Homestead. Kind of the the Homestead. There's an old theater there. Anyway, um, the, you know, it's a place that if you're you can you, you know there's cultural things going on there. It was a place of uh, interesting things, and there must be some. What is that? The pool? Pool just yes. on the other side of there hedge um the uh, my parents i grew up there there were, i had two older brothers uh we've never talked about it necessarily and a one younger sister uh she became uh, and is now a uh, dear you know uh, we've always been very close she's 2 years younger than i am and she's a painter and she married a painter her her life has been devoted to the arts and our parents um exposed us to uh, cultural things, my mom, you know, they were very curious. It, they both wanted to be actors, kind of. My dad said that as he was, they were, came from a poor family. My, my, his father was Pavarczyk, named Pavartsik from Russia, and came here and had a little luggage store and a candy store. And so he needed to, you know, pull himself up by his bootstraps. And he thought at 18 that he'd either be a doctor or an actor and anyway chose to be a doctor but always had an interest in um, theater and then she had it flirted with uh, the stage also. But they they would drive to uh, go to New York and come back with cast albums from the musicals they'd seen. Or they had sophisticated taste, too. They they um, saw Lee J. Cobb and Duke King Lear, my dad talked about, you know, and then ran into Lee J. Cobb on the street in Manhattan. Da, 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 da. And they'd take us to the museum. And I had some facility as a, uh, a, a, a an artist early on. They gave me special art classes, and I got tap dancing classes and they exposed us all to musical. Uh, lessons. My older brother had a clarinet. I know. I read about you. You. That was the one thing that they said. No, no, don't play the guitar. And you were like, and that's because you kind of latched onto that. Anyway, I. You know, there was that, and they took us to see dance. We went to the Syria Mosque. You know, if you remember the Syria Mosque, uh, uh, and saw the Bolshoi Ballet. You know, when I was a kid, Maria Tallchief was a particular dancer that I remember seeing. And you know, there was all kinds of stuff like that. Plus, which. You know, my dad was a doctor, and he enjoyed my... In answer more directly to the question, he always enjoyed my curiosity. And when I said to him, Hey, what happens to this piece of corn at the dinner table? I remember one night when you cut it in half and then cut that in half again and keep cutting it in half. He said, Ah, that's very interesting what you're asking. And he would, you know... Uh, expound on it and he would always be you know saying because he was an internist he would be drawing pictures of the stomach and the internal organs on a napkin or something like that so he was into that and uh, learning and all that um, uh... and they were interested in cinema too i don't want to go on too too long about this but they would see it was a it was a fertile time i think the guild theater was an art house there was one art house in shadyside or oakland and um uh, and they would. I saw first run of uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, and uh, I Am Curious Yellow, and Elvira Madigan, and a movie called Joanna. You know, are off on guard things. They were into that. So I was uh, like that. And the school that I went to, kind of okay. But when I went to Chatham Music Day Camp between fifth and sixth, and sixth and seventh grades, that's when my world of curiosity and passion exploded and I opened up this group of people who were there just thrilled me and what we were doing and I kind of had a flair for some of the things, art, there was arts and crafts and piano appreciation, it was music appreciation, and softball. I was kind of athletic too, but there was drama for the first time. And I took part in a drama thing which really made me decide that I wanted to be an actor. And then our, between 9th and 10th and 10th and 11th grades, I went to six-week sessions at Carnegie Mellon University. And that's when I was really became obsessed with being an actor and that group of people were fantastic so I was hungry hungry for group you know belonging to a group that I was very excited about and um and people, hey, I'll tell you one thing, and then I'll stop for now, I'll stop riffing for now but uh, on this subject. But he- here's a story. It's, tell me if you think this is interesting. These art classes that I went to at Carnegie Museum, and I'd walk through the dinosaur display, which was like the biggest and, you know, like a good one at the time, and then take this wonderful class, the Tam-O-Shanter art students, you know, with uh, uh, Fitzpatrick who taught it. Anyway, at the end... When my dad would pick me up, I must have been 12 or 13 or something like that. My dad would, I'd be waiting outside Oakland, because we were in the suburbs. And, I, and my contact with, I had no street life, there was no street life experience in my upbringing. So when I found myself in Oakland, near Forbes Field and near Pitt, you know, near uh, University of Pittsburgh and this museum, in front of this museum, when I was waiting for him on... A few different occasions, you know, what I, you know what I did? I took it upon myself and it was, maybe other people do this too, and it wasn't so weird or special or anything, but I would do this thing where, where strangers would walk by and I would pick some out and then pretend to know them. And I would go, oh my gosh, look who it is. Oh my golly, I can't believe I'm seeing you. Come here, how are you? And they'd go, I don't know, do you know me? And sometimes I'd get into a conversation and I just had a hankering to do that and I would do that. Is that kind of interesting and a little related to what you're talking about?
0: Yes, it's both interesting and totally related, I think. Um,
5: anyway, I don't know how I got so much energy. I don't no, da- I love it. I don't drink coffee. I don't have any caffeine. Do, do you have caffeine these days? Yes, just
0: in the morning. Really? Just, yes.
5: Good idea. I'm, I'm told that's a good thing to do, but I have no caffeine. Um, <laughs> that's our show, Drive Safely. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say something about caffeine, which I feel like most studies about caffeine and their benefits are done by people who love caffeine. Like all the doctors who drink caffeine and scientists are like, caffeine is great for you. Really? How about yes. that? Oh. Um, and I subscribe to those studies, and I think caffeine is great. But you don't need it, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't think.
5: I don't think so, <clears throat> but you doubt you. What you're saying is you doubt the studies because the the uh, investigators are already pro. Want to see the particular It's confirmation
0: bias. It's tendentious. But I am very happy to listen. To
5: I'm so happy. I'm so. Don't you move a muscle. Let me get that.
0: I do have a question about continuing. That's an
5: old psychological gesture when ladies used to drop their handkerchief. I understand it completely. Yes. I'm always happy. That was
0: a test. (laughs) You you passed.
5: Thank you very much. I was Johnny on the spot, wasn't I? On
0: the way out, there'll be a puddle, and if you don't throw your jacket down. I'm going to. That's why
5: I brought this. The. the, I'm, by the way, I'm so, you're, I think it's you. I think you're opening me up in a strange way. No, yes. That's I feel like telling you everything. I don't know why. I really do. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you're doing it. No, I'm so I'm, grateful to see you. To You know, it's, it's, it's too rare that we run into each other. I'm true. No, so I'm, interested in you anyway. And, I'm, you know, I just think you're great. Thanks for doing this.
0: Well, I. I, it is very mutual, and I'm happy to be here. And I, what I was thinking about as you were describing your own proclivities for performance was that did you rope your siblings in? Like, there's four of you. Was this, you know, a, some, a through line through the whole family? Was everyone slightly a performer? Because your parents wanted to be actors. What about...
5: Did yeah, you- my parents, right, wanted to be actors. And I could tell you more about that. My mom was vivacious and... Uh, and uh, stricken with a show-offy kind of uh, you know element to her character, um, but um, no, my two older brothers, um, no, the first one, Lee, the the, the firstborn, um, no, no, he wanted to be. He sort of was trying to find himself all through his life. In fact, and uh, and even when he was young didn't have anything that I was lucky, anything like the lucky thing that I had, which is, you know, hey, I I know what I want to do and I'm very interested in this thing. He didn't have anything like that. He, in fact, um, told our parents that he had decided to be a doctor like my dad and pursued that for a little bit, but I think it had... The roots of his motivation were... Mm, not as lucky as mine, you know, and it didn't come to anything finally. But, uh, and then Rick, ooh, Rick was a wonderful and interesting and fascinating. He's also not with us anymore. He died when he was 23, in fact, because uh, he, he, was, he, was he was pursuing something. He was an adventurer, an adventurer, and so a little adjacent to something that maybe I have in me. Um, and uh, he was great and smart, and uh, he wanted to be a writer, He'd already decided that he wanted to write. Um, And he was keeping a journal of some kind and he went down to North Africa uh, around Agadir and Casablanca. He was a romantic in man- many ways, and I l- looked up to him anyway. Something He got a, something quick and, and uh, passed away. But anyway, so, but he was not a... I used to perform for him, in fact. He was kind of my main audience, and I'd do funny things. I I th- thought I was funny early on, and I would do funny things for him, and he would kind of... I wanted to do them for him, and, uh, and he would enjoy them, you know. Um, but not a performer himself. And then Pam, a real artist also, he could have been a real artist, but Pam, a real artist who, you know, during our upbringing would sit there quiet, she was quiet, and she's smaller than I am, you know. She was the last one, two years younger, and she would draw things. She would always be, always be drawing things on a napkin. And so. That was always part of her salvation and her character, and she became a that's, she's devoted her life to it. And to this day, she's making stuff that she's excited about, and and uh, I adore her. So that, but she even in 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 any in any um, chance to perform or anything like that. Oh, we went on the David Letterman show once because I taught her to play the piano with her nose. Uh, in a duet that I do, and we went on David Letterman, we did it together, but her heart, she said, I said, good luck, because I went out first, and she said, I tell you, when you said good luck, and I could see her heart doing that backstage, she said, I don't know if I'm, she admitted later, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I may not do this, you know, but she came out, she was fine and dandy, but you know, so it wasn't in her, although performing for me always had an element of terror, in it. And the exhilaration was because I overcame this kind of thing that I thought it was or something like that. Um, But she, she wasn't ready to do that. And if there's any kind of documentary or chance to be, she doesn't really want to photograph herself now in any way. And Rick, speaking of whom, whenever family photos were taken, he'd always excuse himself out of it. So all like that. So my proclivity, my appetite to show off in this way, whatever you call it was unique in our siblingry circle.
0: And how because you're an amazing piano player. I've seen your band play. Uh, and thank you. how did you decide then as a kid that you were going to go into acting and not music? Why did you I mean you do both, but obviously you pursued acting first.
5: I got the idea, I don't know how, when I was, you know, in Chatham Music Day Camp and I got the lead part in this Little show at the end in Druff for our drama course and they and it was a little musical and and I acted and had rehearsed it and then leaped on stage and my dad had said if you find you something you love to do that's a that's a compass and a lighthouse for you and a guide for a pointer toward what your vocation might be early as I was what ten or something like that oh vocation vocation okay uh, that night I remember after. My parents were in the audience after I came off. They said, how'd you like that? And I went, I, I did, I did. And that's all I said, but I think I had already decided for myself, I want to be an actor. And then in a, when I took that Carnegie Mellon course, I was wildly obsessed with it. And as I've told before, every morning, but kept it secret, still kept it secret, because it was embarrassing, nobody. It was embarrassing, or whatever. It was important to me. And every day before I went to school, I took a shower uh, in the uh, with this glass uh, glass um, door, and it would steam up, and I'd write, "Please, God, let me be an actor." And then before I left, I would wipe it off. Um, but so I was obsessed with it. Um, so that so I decided to be an actor. Around the same time, I was playing piano and learning to play jazz and lo- loving it and doing it just for the Fun of it, kind of in the same relationship that the two, that the two exist now, for the fun of it. And even when I was fifteen, I would call cocktail lounges around Pittsburgh and try to get a job. And I got a couple of jobs when I was fifteen, playing in bars around Pittsburgh a few times. So it was a little related to what I do now, just for fun. Fun. I don't know what. No, I never thought. No, I want to be a musician. So they had two. They had two different roles in my muddled thinking you know Mm -hmm.
0: so you're talking about writing this almost like you know aspirational message on your shower stall and i'm wondering when was the moment because when you you know your early filmography includes things like nashville and annie hall you know small parts but big movies and big directors what was the first moment that you thought i am an actor
5: Good question. Uh, Good question. Well, Sandy Meisner, you know, I was very lucky, To I was lucky all uh, from then till now. And one of the things that was lucky was that I happened into the Neighborhood Playhouse where Sanford Meisner was teaching, wonderful acting teacher, and it's made a big impact on everything I've done since. Um, He said it takes 20 years of continual work to call yourself an actor. And then, if you're lucky, to keep working uh, a, a lifetime. Uh, of continual progress so I took that to heart and uh, so I certainly before 20 didn't you know know, I think I I, am an actor that's the question when did I decide when did I call myself an actor? think that I was an actor well you know I'd fill out I was, was always thrilled as I still am to fill out forms saying what's your profession and go actor It still gives me, I'm still tickled to do that. And so I would say I'm an actor, but I, you know, I felt, geez, I've got a lot to learn. And, you know, the other part of the question is after 20 years and after working, oh, yeah, of course, you're right. I was so lucky to work with Altman and very interesting directors and good movies. Can you imagine from early on? I hardly ever had to do anything else Professionally, you know, I kind of sustained myself that way, and got to learn just like Meisner said, from little thing with interesting people to classroom with another, you know, director and situations. So it kind of worked that way. Maybe because I'd made up my mind, it it had been the seed had been planted in my mind. So maybe I looked for that and turned those, you know, situations into learning opportunities like that. Uh, anyway, you know.
4: Uh,
5: yeah, I feel like I'm an actor now. I feel like I can say uh, I'm, an, uh, I'm an actor. I'm still trying to get better, and I think I'm on the brink of my... I'm doing my best work right now, frankly, and, and I feel that grand things are ahead, and, and I'm improving. It's like piano. You know, discipline you know, yields results, and I play every day. I go through my body of work, and I'll tell you, I, play, I played some things this morning that were better than I'd ever played them. That's true. So you know you keep working, and just like Sandy Meister said, it's not such a secret of how you're digging for the fruit that you're going for. It's the it's the continuity of digging that'll really provide results, you know, or forty thousand hours, or da da da. So I've devoted my life rather conscientiously to trying to get trying to investigate it more and more and get better.
0: And when you were in those early films and first starting out, who was the first? person, whether it was an actor, writer, director, to really impress you and inspire you that you were working with?
5: Well, geez, I was impressed and inspired by everybody. You know, the first, well, well I had a job on stage, is the first job I got uh, at, with Two Gentlemen of Verona, the musical version that Galt McDermott, who had written Hair, a very impressive and inspirational personage, and he was around the Delacorte Theater where we did that. Joseph Papp was the producer, a very important and fantastical person of inspiration and education. Uh, And John Guare adapted the play for this thing, Uh, a fantastic writer and a person of sophistication. And there were other people, and you know who starred in it? Raul Julia was starring in it. Uh, A very special guy and a very special actor, inspirational as a man and as a human person and a person aspiring to good character and good livingry and an artist of unusual and special talent. Uh, Besides which, many other people. Jean Erdman was the choreographer in that. I didn't know then because there was no IMDb and da-da-da-da-da. I just realized recently she, all that time, was in a relationship with Joseph Campbell Joseph Campbell. I wish I'd known, if I had, I wouldn't have known what to add because I didn't know Joseph Campbell. But, you know, interesting people I somehow came upon, Uh, you know, uh, tried to be as receptive as I could. So that's the first job. Uh, You know, Stockard Channing, I'll bet you admire her, I'll bet you enjoy her. She was fantastic. She was in it. I played for an audition for her that she went, but she was great. We went to places in New York with a group of people that were just great. It was an extension of that, my feeling at Carnegie Mellon University and at Chatham. You know, I was just hungry for and ready to... And I'll be darned. Wound up in groups that were really in- interesting and nu- nourishing. So that's the first job. Then g- 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 I go to you know to to uh, um, El Grande to Coca Cola. Second job. Right around that time, I get signed up for the first movie. And you know Michael Winner and Charles Bronson in this movie Death Wish. You know Michael Winner was a known screamer and a kind of a. Uh, you know, not as highly esteemed as one of the great art cinema artists of our time, I think it's fair to say. But he, in in the in the first scene that I was doing, yelled at me uh, and said, uh, go, we were just rehearsing the camera shot with me and two other bad guys. We were lurking up these stairs. Then he yelled at the top of his voice in front of everybody, Goldblum, start acting now! <laughs> which doesn't seem, which seems like, but I'll tell you, it's a nugget, if you receive it in the right way, it's a pretty good <laughs> nugget of, of learning and inspiration. Just start acting, it's not bad. Anyway, er, you know, you're right. Soon I came across Robert Altman, who, my gosh, a pillar of, you know, if there were not, nobody else ever happened, he, had, he was a pillar of, you know, um, a model, an exemplar of, you know, artistry and uh, uh, originality and uh, beauty and loveliness and... Great. So that's just a few. few. Well,
0: one thing, kind of apropos of just being here at the Hollywood Roosevelt, and I think we all take for granted when we're in LA, you know, the experience for people of coming here for the first time. And you're talking about growing up in Pittsburgh and then being in New York. I mean, what was LA like? What was your experience of coming here? Was it always on your radar to end up in LA? And what was it like to be here when you first got here? How did you find community?
5: Uh, it wasn't on my radar. I had no. I've never been, as I still am, not particularly strategic, or uh, I don't know where where things are leading necessarily. Um, but um, but uh, but what happened was I'd never been to Los Angeles in my life, and uh, and I was in El Grande to Coca Cola, and Robert Altman. I didn't even know that he saw the show. Because there was a snowstorm and he had, changed his plans and saw it. Uh, He called. I was in my Greenwich Village apartment. The phone rang and they said, this is the casting director from Robert Alden. We saw you in that show. We'd like you to do this movie, California Split. Okay, you know, I mean a miraculous call really, and I, they said okay, we made arrangements, they sent me the script, da da I, I, I flew on a plane to Los Angeles, and Scotty Bushnell, his, this casting person and producer, picked me up at the airport, I'd never seen it before, and she drove me to Westwood, didn't know what that was, to his Lionsgate um, operation there, and there was this courtyard, it was kind of Spanishy looking, and there was this courtyard, and I'll be darned, Robert Altman was up there, and Gwen Wells, if you remember her, with whom I did another movie after California Split, was walking around, and these people were exotically wonderful, and he, you know, said, I just did this movie M.A.S.H., and uh, people are, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm got, I've got something to do now, and, uh, and he was great. He was great, and so seeing that that night, that day, and that night getting off the plane was striking and remarkable. And then you know, hanging around there for a, couple, a week or two and doing that part, that was amazing. And then I went back, and then he said, "If you, if I like you and you like me, we'll do Nashville this this summer." Did Nashville? What an amazing! Oh my golly, to hang out with Lily Tomlin and you know Geraldine Chaplin and Keith Carradine and Ronnie Blakely and those people and Robert Altman and and his and the opera and the people making that and that was at the high point somehow of his I think many would say of his work uh with that crowd and they did what Wes Anderson does now just kind of bubbled us up all we took over this complex there in Nashville and hung out for the whole time what an amazing time and then afterwards I was like, when, when an agent said, come out to California and we'll show you around, that was Abby Greshler with Diamond Artists who had handled Martin and Lewis, kind of an old time agent. I was, okay, I'll come out, stayed on the couch of a friend, and then just stayed. And so at first it was, you know, what it was, then Cali, well then, El oh, Grande Coca-Cola, got up again here at the, at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go. We did it there at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go for a little bit. And um, and I got some, and then they sent me up for a few things and I did like a Blue Knight and a Starsky and Hutch and a Columbo and a Laverne and Shirley. So I was doing some things, but then, you know, and, you know, then things started to happen. But it was fine and dandy, you know, I was still uh, taking dance classes and then, then I wound up taking Finding Peggy Fury, taking more acting classes, uh... And then you get to 83, and with my friend, we, we, we uh, said, let's have a school. Let's kind of keep teaching this so we'd learn how to do it. And I taught for a couple of decades at uh, this place, and it became a, California became a nourishing uh, family and place to be of creativity, and uh, it's been very creative.
4: We'll be right back with more Jeff Goldblum at Vulture Festival.
3: Built to be accessible, empowering, and community-building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com.
4: Now back to Carrie Brownstein and Jeff Goldblum at Vulture Festival 2021.
0: When would you ascribe, I guess, the transition from being unknown to known? Like, was it with the the Fly or Jurassic Park? And what was that shift like for you, which now exists? This is why everyone's here, and you know, all, also everything else you've done. But what was that kind of transition like <laughs> in your life?
5: Well, um, it's good because it was gra- gra- gradual. It's still, it's, it still seems to still be gradual. There was a guy at the hotel two days ago who said, "Hey, Mr. Bloomberg." Nice to see you. And I never know if it's ungracious to correct him or not, and probably not.
0: I don't. People call me Carrie Bradshaw all the time, and I just say, yes.
5: And it's right, you know, you say, you know. Thank you. you, Thank you. And then he said, yeah, I like that movie you did, Undercover. I said, well, oh, thank you. I did deep cover. D, you mean deep cover? Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess so, you know. So people have either no knowledge of me still or a vague knowledge of me still. But you know, along the way, it's been gradual and never a, a big deal or never, in fact, anything but kind of pleasant and sweet and kind of lovely. Um, there's that, you know. Um, no it, it, so very gradually, you know you know between the line I mean uh, you know between the lines of it, the I guess the big chill you know you know it's you know it was paid attention to and popular but da 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 da, and then the fly had a kind of 86 now it is had a kind of a thing, so you know I'd go to parties and people would go <laughs> I'd go, yeah, yeah, hello, thank you, thank you." And so, you know, there is uh, like that. And then it brings us to Jurassic. Well, 10 Speed and Brown Shoe, I did a little series for a little bit. And, you know, people You Bill Clinton. When I met Bill Clinton, at some got to meet him. He was like, you know, Jeff, I liked a lot of things you did. But I I never missed an episode of 10 Speed and Brown Shoe. Yeah. So, you know, it's always like, wow, people know, you know, some people, interesting people know me and this and that. And then Jurassic Park and then, you know, a worldwide picture like that, you know. So... It's gone like that, <laughs> but it's right. never. But it's not difficult. It's never been difficult for me. I don't know the the people who say, um, "Oh, it's a, They don't give you lessons in, and it's such a challenging thing. It changes your life, and you don't know how to be, and it turns you. in I, I. I just never. It never happened to me like that. It's just never been a problem or particularly challenging or anything, but kind of sweet and you know.
0: Well, which I think is the. <coughs> Uh, we should show the clip from your from your show oh. <laughs> the world according to Jeff Goldblum but i think this idea of relatability which i do think is kind of a strange currency to sort of be in the marketplace because i think it doesn't serve everyone well relatability or like the onus to be relatable but you are i think someone who Exists in the world and has an easy time doing that, which I think serves the show really well. So we're gonna we're gonna show a clip from the second season, where you do interface with a lot of humans in a very well I generous and compassionate way.
5: I, I like it. I I I, I guess I'm a people person, and like from that incident, you know the incidents that I told you outside the art class, you know. I'm kind of an- anxious to make connections, and yes. and acting itself is it's another you know variation of hey, I, you know it's a uh, you know a, a vehicle to you know be with other people, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, can we show the clip, please? Last we, oh,
2: year, oh, I oh, see. we see. shot I Essential see. Edition calendar where we honored essential workers. This year, we're going to honor animals. So Tune is going to dress up as different animals. And that's what the calendar sheet's gonna be. That's
5: good. Well, he could be a, you know, like a cow, of course. What about a
2: chicken? Chicken. Chicken.
5: Yep. Let's, let's turn him into a chicken.
2: All right, tunes.
5: Oh my golly. You've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding.
2: Now what we're gonna do is we are going to get tuna excited. This is his new pet monster. Ah! Oh! <laughs> tuna,
5: tuna, tuna. What if we cut from that to a shot of him <laughs> just attached to my thigh, and me going,
1: "Yay,
2: yay, yay, ay, yay, 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 yay." Now, I need you to be weird, remember? Yeah. This is my voice.
5: I think I just made a little tinkle. Is that what I was supposed to do? But he was good before. Before we did anything, I mean, he's was looking like that. I mean, what's wrong with that?
2: There's nothing wrong. We're just getting expressions, you know, because he's on a pillow, so he's oh, different fall expressions.
5: Why don't we get the expression that is coming out of him naturally? See, how do you feel right now? Beautiful. Well, I know what it's like to have to cut the mustard in front of the camera. But whether he knows it or not, uh, he's irrepressibly cute. That's true.
0: I mean, I think that just perfectly illustrates your openness. My, fa- the, my favorite moment of that, is, it's almost like the rules of improv. You just sort of, yes, and this person. She suggests the chicken costume, you're like, yes, and you put it on your hand. But also, my my favorite moment is when she says, well, last year we did a calendar for first responders, and this year we're doing dogs. And you're just like, that that seems a natural transition. Um and- <laughs> and of equal importance <laughs> and, and you just smiled and I loved that and it's, I mean, in some ways dogs are also first responders for our emotional well-being which is why they're so messed up <laughs> it's because dogs used to have real jobs and now their job is to take care of us I read, <laughs> I read a whole book about it called The New Work of Dogs and if your dog is a nightmare it's probably because its job used to be sheep herding and now <laughs> it's to comfort you <laughs> Yes, it's a guru.
5: I should have talked to you for that series because that's what I want to learn about. I mean, you know, there are are other shows that delve into more thoroughly the world of dogs and things that you could still learn about. I'll bet you, why, you're a dog fan? You have a dog?
0: I have two dogs, yeah. I am a dog fan. But I'm a tuna. Is tuna here? I heard that... Tuna was here. Is that oh not my true? gosh! Oh, oh no, not, no, Tuna's oh, not here. Whoa, Tuna he... was
5: going to be here for yeah. a second. Tuna I, was I read was that too. Be here. I, was, I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuna's not here. Um, and where did we find Tuna? Was Tuna in Atlanta? Was that? Did we find her in Atlanta? I
0: can. I do not know.
5: Oh boy, um, well, I'm, I'm foggy. She,
0: oh, she lives on the internet for sure.
5: <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, she's cute and and. Um, and that was amazing, and dogs are amazing, and finding out about dogs, and you saw the episode for you, because you, what you just mentioned, uh, I, I thought it was particularly moving while I was doing it, and then seeing it again, are they're, they're dog. there's an organization that rescues dogs. My sister is a dog rescue fanatic, loves dogs. Uh, they rescue dogs, and the ones that are then um, uh, qualified, that they figure are qualified, they train them very, uh, uh, you know, thoroughly uh, and intensely to rescue people, human beings when trapped under rubble after a disaster of one kind or another. And then I learned about that. I met the people involved and then put my, they have a training area uh, of rubble and I put myself in some, they put me in some kind of Concrete tube under many other things that could have been part of a rubble thing and only the dog then was sent out to Try to find me and sure enough he did and I thought it was very emotional and just amazing what these dogs do You know um, amazing. So there's that. Um, but um, wait a minute Oh, I was gonna say that uh, they do a great job that Newtopia utopia is the production company and the creative people and uh, Karen mm, and McGann and mm, and uh, Catherine O'Kane were two of the directors uh, who worked on that. They, they do a good job. And even that thing they did when I, you know, they uh, when I see it again, I'm always delighted by it. I'm delighted by that little section there and oftentimes choked up to you know they use little personal things of mine i, I love the way the show came out and and just looking there did you see how they did that thing i tell that story you know oh I, you know the dog should be biting my butt and then they cut to the buster keaton thing that they're they're good they they know how to do that i really admire what they do and uh, they make me look good cuz i do kind of this where i just blather on and then they make it coherent and make me look good but um But it's kind of easy for me now. Whatever it is, uh, I just, you know, in a situation like that, we don't do two takes. It's just authentic. Uh, They shoot me as I'm meeting the person. They try to keep me as surprised. You know, they tell me as little as possible. So I'm just encountering the thing and... And just, you know, do what I do.
0: So the origin of the show is not you with an idea saying, I'd like to learn about all these things. It was they came to you. And you don't, in terms of each subject matter, that's also, that's something you don't know about in advance.
5: No, I do know about that a little bit. But here's what happened. I did a show. They were tinkering around with the uh, format to uh, Nat Geo Explorer. You know that show. A few years ago. And they uh, offered uh, the chance for me to uh, host three of them which I did, uh, hadn't really done something exactly like that before, thing, things like it, but I thought, okay, I, that's going to be fun because I like National Geographic and science and adventure and exploration and learning. I like everything they do. So uh, it was a fun experience. It was a little more, it was different than this. It was a little more conventional and, and for me a little more constrained. And even when I interviewed Sam Rockwell, whom I requested, and Norm Eisen, uh, a fascinating guy who was the uh, model for my character in Grand Budapest Hotel. Wonderful uh, guy. Um, they kind of were trying to kind of steer it in a certain direction, and then I had telepr- teleprompter to read that I did, and then kind of tried to make it my own a little bit. So they liked that. Anyway, after the show, they said sometime after the show, they said, "You, yeah, yeah, that was good. Maybe you should do a. We have an idea. Maybe you want to do a show on your own, a new kind of show." And and I said, "Thank you so much. That's great. You guys are great, and I'd like to work with you. I do have an idea for." How I might approach it. I think I could talk I could think and talk at the same time You know uh, like this and then you know if you kind of fix it up and and when I interact I'd like to just not be in a studio and let me interact with people because I think that could be Fun and bring out something good in me maybe useful in me But something I could enjoy and build upon because I, I, I Wanted to do that anyway, it kind of became that and then even in the um even in the uh, voiceovers, they have, they're very brilliant, and they, they write a guide, but then I go, okay, let me, hang on, hang on, uh, let me uh, tur- turn on the juice, let me mess this up in some way, and kind of, you know, so I talk and try to make it my own, and I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. And, and the subjects, you know, they would come up with some things, and I would say, here's my feeling about those things, and through that we would come, collaboratively come upon whatever it was, you know, that we were going to, do. But it was sort of the way that I was going to do it that kind of interested me a lot, you know.
0: And your your kids, Jeff has two young boys, they show up in an episode or two. I was wondering how having kids has changed your approach to, to work or your approach to existence.
5: Well, good question. Changes everything, as you've heard many times before, is the cliche, but it does. Your heart cracks wide open and you care about them more than anything and they're so deeply I guess it's built into our you know, makeup. You're deeply so deeply enchanted by them and in love with them you know. And I've found that uh, with Emily Goldblum she likes to be called Emily Goldblum my wife, it's deepened our relationship and that we have this important thing to do together is romantic I think and and, uh, it's been nourishing in every way and they're so playful and curious and seeing the world through their eyes and wanting to do things th- with them is just great you know showing them movies or whatever that's great and then um yeah and then uh having them I don't want to endanger them or exploit them but but uh, you know we said hey do you want to you know, I'm doing, like, what are you doing, da-da, da da Well, you could, should come to work, because all these things you'd be interested in. I went to Legoland, which they would have loved to have been there. I didn't take them to that one, but um, there are other things that they'd like, because they're crazy about Lego. They're great, crazy about you went about to Lego.
0: Legoland, and you were like, but you won't go there? You didn't take them there?
5: Well, I, th- that wasn't part of the thing. They kind of, you know, decide, yeah. hey, maybe your kids could be part of this thing, fireworks thing. or They, they decide. I don't really suggest
0: Fireworks, that. definitely safer than Legoland for kids.
5: Well, have you been to Legoland? No.
0: It actually sounds like a nightmare, but...
5: (laughs) I'd never heard... I've never done a Lego in my life before these kids. Never. I I did Lincoln Logs and Tinker Toys and da 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 -da. I didn't know anything about... I'd never seen a movie, but Lego is a big part... I I just left here before I came here. We were all playing. They say, da-da, come here, let's play. That's one of the things they like to do because we've mostly denied them screen time, so they're not really doing much of that. Um, but they like to go, rrr, rrr. you here, you take the you take this one and, rrr, rrr, and they 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 love it. So anyway, Legolands, so, but I went to Legoland. No, that, that wasn't part of the plan to bring them there, but I, I like to bring them there. They I think they'd they'd get a big kick out of it. Anyway, the when they come, the directors are sensitive and we just catch them playing a little and we just allow them to play, never ask them to do anything more than they want to do. I don't think they even know what we're doing exactly or that anybody's filming because it's very low, you know, small crew and, and we just fool around and I'm fooling around and it's not lines or anything. And anyway, they do something and then they're off. But when I see it, I'm always touched by, I'm choked up a lot and sometimes in the episodes and then when I see the episodes, uh, it's just uh, amazing because they do a good job and the way they use it. And I give them all my... I gave them all my home movies from Pittsburgh, so you see some old footage that always, you know. And they don't tell me that, that I'm always st- stunned and moved by that, and um, yeah, like that. And old photographs, you know. I give them all my old, you know, the Pittsburgh uh, photo albums, you know.
0: I mean, there is a very moving moment in season two, which is coming out shortly, where you meet with some, it's just, out yesterday. okay, self-proclaimed witches, you know. And and one of them does a reading, a past lives. She brings. Your family she talks to your, your deceased parents and siblings and, and I was curious as someone who I know I mean observationally you have kind of a science brain You're, you know you, your recall is amazing. I'm sure you've noticed how many names he's mentioned. when Jeff is on set, he will remember everyone's name, which I think is very respectful and wonderful and I think it's, I like it's try, something yeah. that I learned from you on set. <laughs> Um, I'm the same way I think it's a it's a show of respect but I am always impressed so I'm just curious in something like that moment where people are dealing with you know something that's not necessarily able to be scientifically proven like what part of you is still willing to embrace delight and magic and how do you balance those things
5: good question Yeah, there's an episode on magic, and Penn and Teller are part of it, and Eric Blackwell and Zach King. But Penn and Teller are very good. And if you know uh, Penn Jillette, he's very articulate about uh, what he's devoted his life to, the both of them, and uh, the difference between the, the magical arts, where you reveal to the crowd, hey, you're not spiritually, you're divinely extraordinary, nothing supernatural is going on here. These are tricks and uh, lovely that you can, that the brain is susceptible because it's entertaining to be uh, astounded like that. But uh, maybe one of the uh, 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 fruits of it um, can be that you realize how trickable you are and to be careful and to be vigilant that you don't become the um, uh, victims of con cons and con people. They're very... They're they're very articulate, eloquent about that. And in fact, when I talk to them about uh, mediums and people who make use of, in their opinion, make uh, either self-deluded or inauthentic, deceptive use of your connection with your departed loved ones, uh, they have a very strong opinion about that, Uh, like that. these within in this you'll see in the uh, if you see it in the episode I meet they don't go into all that on the on the episode but in the episode uh, we also say that hey magic can also be this other thing where people use that term to connect themselves to nature and uh, and uh, your 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 uh, your 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 um, path your your connections to your. Heritage and all that stuff. Uh, anyway, there were th- these three witches, but I-, I loved them. I loved them. And a lot, as I said to them a little bit, I alluded to it, a lot of my life in acting has been devoted to the unseen and the imaginary and openness to the miraculous of one kind or another, and especially the era in which I was introduced to acting, was also, I, I, at Carnegie Mellon in those courses, there was yo- yoga, which was very new then, and Eastern ways of opening yourself up. And uh, uh, that was part of what appealed to me. I was way into mm, the uh, delicious uh, arts of uh, Oh, an opening that may not be provable my dad the doctor was like as i was saying no dad i'm i'm a breatharian i'm made of air all i you know he was just like ay 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 ay, ay. but i was of both minds now i've come around in this cycle now where I highly esteem scientists and I'm glad I've had some association with and I'm still uh, starstruck with uh, Carl Sagan and his book uh, The Demon Haunted World, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there are many relevant uh, applications of uh, good meat and potatoes thinking and trust in what we know. Uh, however, I I'm, I'm still have a strong appetite for poetry and uh, music and things you can't explain and we know there are mysteries that we still haven't fathomed in the universe and um uh like that anyway when they when the the witches started to go one of them started to go yes i see your Father, and he, what's that, what's that? Wait a minute, you're going too fast. Ah, he wants to tell you something. He wants to tell you that, oh, and that both parents want to tell you that you're being a wonderful father with your children. And it, I sort of got choked up. I thought it was very moving. I, it opened me up. They'd asked me to bring some pictures of my parents and family and this and that. So the whole thing was a little meditation that I found you know, delightfully moving and, and sweet. Uh, so there's that, you know, so I wasn't pretending I you know I'm of I'm of both both uh, stripes, I guess you'd say.
0: There's a great great quote from that episode that I will read that I think segues nicely into why you have such ardent fans. Um, and you say in relation to these, which is, you know, that you don't necessarily believe, But that you you like to see them believe in something that's nurturing to them, which I think is a very um, generous way of thinking about difference and heterodox and paradox and just the ways that people, you know, express, I don't know, nuance and things that we don't understand. And I feel like that kind of porousness that you possess is what draws people to you. And so one thing that I did find on the internet, um, the best place for (laughs) finding this stuff is uh, all the ways that people really um, love you and want to use your face to sell things.
5: (laughs) I apologize already.
0: Um, So I think, is this gonna work if I press this forward button?
5: I like this. I like any kind of uh, slideshow. Do you remember Jackie Vernon, the comedian Jackie Vernon? Anybody remember Jackie Vernon? You, do you, do you? No. you used to come on the Marv Griffin show, you know? Yeah, and here's my, and here's my, and, there, and here's that, you know?
0: So these are leggings um, with your face. Oh, no. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. Um, uh,
5: I don't think I've seen these particular ones. Wow. Oh, boy.
0: Yeah, and all, from all different eras. Um,
5: Yes, yes. Yeah,
0: these are for sale. Now, I assume we can all assume that this is not something that you're seeing a dime for. No, no, none of this merch. No,
5: I've never seen that before. And anything, no, there's Mm -hmm. no merchandise at all that I have any uh, vested uh, financial interest in, or right.
0: I mean, you have band merch, but that makes sense because you have band oh, yeah. T-shirt, but that's different. That's we made
5: a cup with Virgil Normal. Do you know Virgil I Normal? I do. Uh, yeah, they're hip, hip. We made a limited little thing of we. We wanted to make something with Mildred Snitzer Orchestra, and I recently. Oh my God! In heaven. That's a pillow. That's a pillow. A,
0: a throw pillow.
5: Oh my God! You know, I have none of this in my home. I've never seen that in live or anything. And, uh, but that, of course, is um, a little photoshopped thing of me in Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. So Wes Anderson, I like the whole style of that because, you know, those glasses are Mark Mothersbaugh's actual oh. glasses. He's a pal of uh, Wes's, and, he's, and Wes, you know, as he writes it in the script, the document is, as you can imagine beautiful and elaborate and meticulous and perfect and and uh and so he described all that in the thing he said oh no I know the glasses I want you to wear I have this bl- light pink scarf that I also want you to wear you know he he arranges it all uh so I am uh, I have an affection for that but in no place in that movie did I appear with a <laughs> a, a primate of uh any kind they're marking that up maybe they're then the fly I ap- oh my god in heaven Oh my God! What what the heck? Yeah, they've got me. Well, what is that? It's a it's a pa- painting that you can. Uh, it's
0: on Etsy. Yeah, and um, it's your. Well, I mean, it defies explanation in some ways, but also requires a literal explanation, which is. Your head on a yes. dinosaur body.
5: Yes. Yes. Looks like it might be a T. Rex of some mm-hmm. kind. Yes. And and I'm looking fierce. I don't know that they've ever. I think they imagined that. I've never been caught in in that particular grim, grim grimace of fear of uh, fierceness. I don't think. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I- nice nice <laughs> picture. Way to go. Very flattering. Mm-hmm. Very nice.
0: This is a school backpack or just a backpack. Um, sorry, ne- I don't want to say never that. Never
5: seen that particular one. Yeah. The nice, opposites. there you go. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. if you like such a thing. This Ooh. is an interesting
0: one. So this is a hybrid. There were actually a lot of this, um, this kind of melding of you with...
5: <laughs> you had to look at this. I, I'm so sorry. Thank you so no, much. No, thank you. I, I have seen this. That's, I think, a melding of the, uh, an appropriation of the Michael Jackson thriller. And your pose. And it. my pose in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> Another pillow, and there is a lot of Saint Saint Goldblum.
5: Oh my golly, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, uh, how about that? <laughs> yeah, oh my, oh, and also more can- candle thing. Oh, but this was uh, I know about the, the bloom variations. That's kind of um, uh, you know uh, witty, isn't it? You know, and whoever drew those, and uh, I think there's a book or, that I've seen.
0: Did but- you consult on this on this book? Cause it is a it's. Penguin published it. It's a it's a legitimate book. No.
5: Yeah, I think yeah. I've seen it. No, no, no. I okay. have no no prior knowledge or collaboration or any anything. No. Great. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> nor nor that book. Did you see that book that came out about me called the I guess something something? There's a book about me, but it's an un. What do you call oh, it? Oh, an unauthorized unauthorized biography. But it's I have it I got it actually. I got it, and it's on my table. I have not. Read it. I have not read it, but I've I've seen some snippets from it here and there. You could
0: learn something. I I want to learn
5: something. I'm always (laughs) eager to learn something about myself. But I, you know, I think it's it's probably good. You know.
0: All right. Well, we are down to the literally the countdown on the last minute. No, Um, no. And and, I I know. And so. so, Look at this.
5: I do know about this.
0: He does know about this. So all of you here today who have joined us, thank you. You will all be receiving a Jeff Goldblum. That's an cookie. edible cookie. Edible That's cookie. An
5: edible cookie. And I did. They, they, they. As I told you, that I had to approve this image. They a couple of last week. You know, they said they want to make a cookie. Is this the good? Is this a good? I said, Yeah, yeah. That that looks pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. It's quite nice. Mm. There's stubble, stubble on it. There's stubble. Mm-hmm. And I didn't shave today. Sometimes I shave, but not today. <laughs> I think it kind of matches me. But uh, I can't attest, I have not tried it, so I can't attest to the deliciousness of the cookie. Of course, all cookies are Just a quick survey.
0: Who will keep this in perpetuity and who will eat it? Okay, who will keep it and not Uh, eat it?
5: Applause for who will eat it, yes, I see. And who
0: will just eat it because we have to live in the now. Okay, yeah. we.
5: I myself will. I'll take one of these home today if there's an extra one.
0: I'm sure you can get one, yep.
5: I'll show I'd like to show Emily and the kids. Somebody made a while ago a bag of M&M's with each little M&M had a p- picture of my face. And we had it for a while, but then Emily started to eat it the other day.
0: I think, I think she's in the right there. She's in the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: yeah. What good if not nourishment, you know?
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. All right, well, I want to thank you, Jeff. You I can't are... thank you enough. Yep. I'll never forget
5: this as long as I live. No.
0: And thank you all for coming.
5: Thank you so so much. You're too kind and too. Thank you so much. Sure, I'll sign it.
4: May I? That's it for another episode of Good One. Stream the world according to Jeff Goldblum on Disney Plus. Follow Jeff on Instagram at Jeff Goldblum. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Gajam Shrigashin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to GoodOnePodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at GoodOnePodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Bulger in the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next Thursday. Have a good one.
1: Canva presents stories to keep you up at night.